Okay. So we are doing now Monday's portion of the Torah portion, the Parsha of Kisavo. And in the beginning of the portion, of course, we discussed when you come to the land of Israel and the commandment to bring the first fruits. And now, continuing, we are in chapter 26, verse 12. When you have finished tithing every tithe of your produce of the third year, the year of the tithe, and you will have given to the Levites, to the converts, to the orphan, to the widow, they'll have eaten in your cities and will have been satisfied. So what this verse is talking about is the conclusion of the cycle of three years of taking the tenth of our produce and giving it away. Meaning, we are in a seven-year cycle in the land of Israel. The first two years, we give after a number of other gifts, as will be discussed later in this portion, we give one-tenth of what remains to the Levite. And then after that, we take another tenth from what remains at that point. And in year one and year two, we actually take that food to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and we eat there and give to others to eat with. If it's too much to take or that wouldn't work for us, we can sell it and take the money, but only use the money to buy food and drinks to be eaten in Jerusalem and Jerusalem. That's year one, that's year two. Year three of this cycle, again, we take the tenth, the tithe, and give it to the Levite. But the second tithe, instead of using it ourselves and going to Jerusalem, to Shalim, to eat there and rejoice ourselves, we give to the poor. And then the same three-year cycle repeats itself in year four, five, and six. In year four and five, again, first tithe to the Levite, second tithe we bring ourselves and eat in Jerusalem. And in year six, Again, like in year three, first tithe to the Levite, second tithe to the poor. And then we come to the seventh year, which is, of course, a sabbatical year, and then we don't grow anything, and everything is, so to speak, free, and in essence, God. So therefore, we see that there's like a three-year cycle, three years, three years, and then the seventh year, which really makes this a seven-year cycle. So when you finished the first set of three years, now you have to check if there's any tithe that you didn't give properly. And if you did, then you have an obligation to remove it from your house. And then to say a confession to God, that you have completely taken care of all your tithing obligations. So looking at the Rashi, the first Rashi explains when is this that you have this obligation to completely remove any of these items and then say this to God. So actually the obligation to remove it is on the eve of Passover of the fourth year, which is when we must remove it. And the confession that we say to God that we've taken everything out is actually done on the afternoon of the last day of Passover. Now, why would it be Passover of the fourth year when we're talking about the tithes of the first three years? So basically what Rashi proves is, based on the wording of the verse, that it says here, at the end of, you know, finish tithing every tithe of your produce of the, of the third year, etc. And you're going to give this at the end of. So the idea of the end 
which actually we're not saying here, actually this verse is previously, at the end of the three years you should take out whatever's left. So that the term end is stated here and it's stated in connection with the holiday, with the Hakel year, that we know there the Hakel ceremony is by a festival. So here too, since we're using the same word at the end, it also must be a holiday. So we could say, wait a minute. The Hakel ceremony, which is a ceremony done in the Sukkot, in the year after the seventh year, meaning in essence we could call it the eighth year, or we could call it the first year of the seven-year cycle, every eighth year slash first year, on the holiday Sukkot, the entire nation gathered in the temple, and the king read verses from Deuteronomy. It was a very, very, very powerful ceremony to inculcate fear of God to last them for seven more years. So how do we know that's done at a holiday? Because it says at the end of. It also says at the end of. But there, by Hakel, it's referring to Sukkot. So why here does Rashi say, well, it's got to be a holiday, but it's not Sukkot, it's Passover. So Rashi says, because it says when you finish the tithing, and you haven't finished that by Sukkot, because there are trees that you can only harvest them after Sukkot. So how in the world could we, before Sukkot, remove remove all of these items from our house that we haven't given them away yet and then confess to God that we did so when these fruits aren't even ready to be harvested and given to the Levites and to the poor. So we have to wait till that's all done. And then if that's done after Sukkot, the next holiday is Passover, and that's why this is what happened on Passover. Now while we're talking about trees that are only ready to be harvested after Sukkot of the fourth year, and considering this part of the third year's tithing obligation because any tree or fruits of a tree that begins to bud when the fruits are budding we already consider it the obligation of that year so these fruit trees even though the fruits are only ripened after sukkahs of the fourth year but they already were budding in the third year so since they began to bud in the third year, they are considered part of the third year's obligation. But I can't give them in the third year because they're not fully grown and ripened yet. I can only give them in the fourth year, but they're part of the third year's obligation. So therefore, I can't possibly remove them and say this confession by Sukkot. They haven't even ripened yet. After Sukkot, they ripe. I harvest. I give a tenth to the Levites. I give a tenth to the poor because this is considered from the third year's obligations where the second tenth goes to the poor, and then the next holiday, which is Passover, I can remove them all on the eve of Passover, and then, again, remove them all, meaning if there's any food that I was supposed to give away to the Levite, to myself, to eat in Jerusalem, to the poor, of the first, second, or third year, and I didn't do so yet, by the eve of Passover of the fourth year, I must remove this all from my house, and I, in other words, I have to right then give it all away. And then on the last day of Passover, I say the confession we're still going to read, that I removed everything. Now, Rashi said that we, it's interesting because the verse referring to this third year calls it the year of the tithe. Now, why is it called the year of the tithe? Because Rashi says normatively we have two tithes. We have to the Levite, that's the first one, and then we have the second tithe, which is what the owner eats in Jerusalem. That's the first year and the second year. But the third year, only one of those two obligations exists that are given to the Levites. Now, we do give another obligation because instead of giving it to ourselves, we give to the poor. 
But from the normative obligations of year one and two, where we have two obligations, only one of them exists in the third year. So that's why it's the year of the type in the singular is only the one of the two of the previous two years that to the Levite exists. But then again, instead of taking that second type for myself, we give it as the verse says very clearly here as we read, so I'll give it to the Levite, that's the first type, and then to the converse, the orphan, and to the widow, that's the type to the poor that you give only in the third and sixth year. And then the verse says, and they will have eaten in your sins and be satisfied. Now, of course, we can't force them to eat to be satisfied. The writer explains it means give them enough. Our obligation is to give them a quantity sufficient to satisfy them. So if a poor person comes for his tithe, you have to give him a sufficient amount. You can say, well, I don't really owe that much less because already a number of people came. So at the time this poor man came, there's only a little bit of produce left. Well, no, you have an obligation to give the poor person that he should be satisfied. So give him more, even if it's beyond what you normally have to do because you have to give him enough that he should be satisfied. So that you did on the eve of Passover of the fourth year. The final day of Passover, you make a confession to God, like testifying, yes, I fulfilled your commandments. For the first three years, I gave all the tithes. If I didn't do it the first year, and I didn't do it the second year, and I didn't do it the third year, by now the eve of Passover of the fourth year, it was all given away. So now on the last day of Passover, I can make this confession that I did all that you asked me. So this is beginning in verse 13, what we're calling the confession, what you say to God on the last day of Passover of the fourth year. Then you also say before God your God, I have eliminated the holy things from the house, and I have also given it to the Levite, to the convert, to the orphan, to the widow, according to the entire commandment you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, and I have not forgotten. So this is a confession that you've given your obligation. And we're listing here many obligations because there are beyond these three that we mentioned in the previous verse. There's a number of others. I've eliminated the holy things from the house. This refers to the second type. also refers to the fruits of a tree in its fourth year, meaning the first three years of a tree's growth, we are not allowed to eat the fruits at all. The fourth year, we take those fruits and bring them to Jerusalem. So that's where we're connecting the second type which is that second tenth that I have to go and bring to Jerusalem to eat, and the fruits of the tree in its fourth year, which I also have to bring to Jerusalem to eat. And if I delayed this and I didn't bring it up to Jerusalem, I have to bring it now and eat it there now. And I gave off the Levite, his first tithe, also includes other gifts that I was obligated, the truma, which is the yearly the portion of the crop given to the priest, and the first fruits. Also, there's a tithe on the tithe, meaning I gave a tithe a tenth to the Levite. He, in turn, has to take a tenth of this and give it to the priest. All of these things were done. The truma gift to the priest was given. The fruits that have to be eaten in Jerusalem because it's the fourth year were done. The first tenth given to the Levite was done. The second tenth if I was obligated to go to Jerusalem and eat it, I did. If I was obligated to give it to the poor, I did. That which the Levite was supposed to give to the priest, a tenth of what he received, it was all done. To the convert, to the orphan, to the widows, their second tithe, the tithe of the poor in the year three and six. And I did according to your commandments, which means I gave it in order. Because since these are percentages, it has to be done in order, otherwise the numbers are wrong. 
so the order, the correct order is first I gave the first fruits, then I gave the truma, the gift to the priest, then I gave a tithe to the Levite, then I gave the second tithe, it can depending on the year, either to myself first and second, or to the poor third. And all this was done in the proper order because, again, if it's not done in the order, then the amount given will be wrong because it's a percentage from what remains. I haven't transgressed any of your commandments. I didn't separate them from one variety of produce to something from a different variety, from a new crop for the old, from what's detached from the ground to what's still attached, from what's attached for that which has been detached. I didn't do anything to do the commandments basically with the wrong produce. And I didn't forget to bless you over the separating of the tithe. I have not eaten of it in my intense mourning. I've not consumed in a state of impurity. I've not given of it to a dead person. I listen to the voice of God, my God. I acted according to everything you have commanded me. So in this sentence, we are saying that, God, I did exactly what you asked in terms of the tithe, because at this point you have, meaning if you were negligent in year one, two, or three by Passover of the fourth year, where you had had all those extra months to take care of it, you made sure you gave it all away. So what does it mean I haven't eaten of it in my intense mourning? So the most intense mourning is called the oining. The oining is a mourner. We're obligated to mourn for a child, a parent, a sibling, or a spouse. And for the mourner on the day of the death until the relative, until the person, the dead, is buried, we're in a most intense mourning called an oining, where we're forbidden to make blessings and to pray. Our whole focus has to be on bearing this dead. So saying, I haven't eaten of it in my state of intense mourning, means that if someone is an oining, they're not allowed to eat from this second type. I haven't consumed it in impurity, if I'm impure and it's pure, or if, or if I'm pure and it's impure, which we derive from saying you can't eat it in your cities. And in your cities is a place where people can eat things that are impure. But this says you can't eat it in your cities. That means you can't eat in the manner that we eat in the cities, which would be when one is or it is impure. I haven't given it to a dead person, meaning to make a coffin, to make shrouds. And what are we saying? I haven't given it to a dead person. So I believe it doesn't mean literally you're not feeding the dead. But it means you haven't used the tithe or the money of the tithe for any purpose other than eating. And why we say a dead person? Because it's a commandment to help the dead. It's a very, very holy commandment. It's a very high-level commandment. Giving a dead person a proper burial is very significant. But even so, I haven't taken this money. We think, oh, this is so strange. Here's this money. And either... You could take the food and eat it, or you could sell it. And then you could use the money for such a lofty goal, like helping bury the dead. No, that's not what God wants. God wants me to take this food and to eat it, and if I have to sell it because I can't carry it all, to buy food with it. Even something as holy as burying the dead, I'm not supposed to do with this money. It's only God wants me to eat and rejoice in Jerusalem with it, and that's all I've done with it. I listened to your voice. I brought it to the temple, and I did everything you commanded me. I rejoiced in it, and I brought joy to others with it. So now, we continue, gaze down from your holy abode, from the heavens, and bless your people Israel and the ground that you gave us, as you swore to our forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So we did everything that you decreed on us, 
please God do what's incumbent on you, as you said, that if we go in your commandments, I will give you reign in their time and give to us as you swore our forefathers this land flowing with milk and honey. That's very interesting because the term here, gaze down, is a term that normally is connected to negative things. But here, because we're doing something so positive, we're taking these fruits and we're giving them exactly as God said. We're giving them away to the poor, to the Levites. We're taking our hard-earned work. Imagine the farmer who works so, so, so hard. And then when he has all this beautiful produce, the first thing he does is give it away to other people. So that special act takes even what would normally be a state of God's judgment and makes it a place of compassion and blessing. That is as far as today's portion goes, even though we are not finished the confession, and continues as we'll learn on Tuesday.